Okay, guys, we're going to go ahead and uh, get started here with the sermon. I love hearing y'all talking to each other. I think I've shared this before, but when Caroline and I first started coming to Midtown East, uh, we're like, man, these people really know how to like stretch out the greeting time. And it's true because y'all uh, love each other really well, and I'm so thankful to be a part of a community where that's true. So here in January, we're taking three, three weeks to talk about who we are as a church. And we're doing that all across Midtown. Each of our congregations kind of has had the autonomy to figure out, hey, what, do, what, do, what is God calling us to talk about? Uh, and what we're calling this sermon series, these three weeks here at East, is becoming who we are. That that's really a, a summation of the Christian journey. That this moment of coming to Christ, we put down the burden that is so prevalent in our kind of current cultural moment, which is the burden to create our own identity. And we pick up an identity that is new for us, an identity that Jesus has given to us. And the rest of our Christian life is about us learning to live out of the identity that God has given us. That's the journey of what it means to be following Jesus. And we believe that's true here, that as a community, we are walking through that together. And we're walking through that as individual, individual people, that what we are about here as a church is what we call gospel transformation. That your life, our lives would be marked by and changed by the grace of Jesus, that we would grow up as people into maturity, that that would be true about us emotionally, that'd be true about us relationally, socially, and spiritually. That's the journey that we're on of becoming emotionally, relationally, socially, spiritually mature people. And that that's true for us then also as a community, that what we believe is that God has placed us here in this moment, at this time, for a very specific reason. And as a church, we are becoming who God has told us that we are, which is a thriving community of worship and witness here in East Nashville. And that is what we are praying and hoping, working toward this year as a community, that God would establish us as a community, a thriving community of worship and witness here in East Nashville. That what we hope for as a church is that in decades to come, that we are here in East. And that we would leave this legacy of lives that have been changed by Jesus. That one day, when Wit and all of these other babies that we have baptized are, at, are off, a, off away at school or working, whatever, and they come back here, that we would be here as a community to wrap our arms around them and say, let us remind you how loved you are and have been since the day we were there and you were baptized. That when they come back and we say, oh, I remember when you were so small and they're so annoyed by it, that they would also feel the love of this community that is here caring for them and caring for the people around us. That we would get to be in like the prime timers class together. I don't know if you grew up in church, but where I grew up, that was like the Sunday school class for all of the really old people. That we would get to do that together, right? That as a church, that we would be here loving and serving each other and our community as we're being changed by the gospel of God's grace for decades to come. That's what we hope to see and what we hope and pray that God would be doing. And so what we've been talking about last week, this week, and next week will be what is it that God is calling us to grow in this year for us to become that kind of community? Okay, does anybody remember the one thing that we, that's like this is the take home from last week, that we would become uh, as we're becoming this community, that, that we would recognize that, that what? 
It's just like, hey, this is one thing to remember from last week. <laughs> I know it's on the tip of everybody's tongues. What do we... Kid Town, that was the takeaway from last week. It's a good one, okay, then this week too. You are the church, right? Does anybody remember that now? You are the church, we are the church. The church is not a building, church is not an institution, the church is the people of God gathered together. It's you and it's me, it's us. And that for us to be who God has called us to be in East Nashville is for us to own and recognize that that's a part of our identity, that we are the church. And that what, we are, what God is calling us into this morning is that we would be a people of prayer. That what would mark our lives, that who we are and who we would become this year is that we would be a people of prayer. That as a church, we would be characterized, our lives would be marked by rich lives of prayer. And maybe that's enough right there to like have you, you just want to flip, flip me off. So boring, right? Or maybe that what that stirs up in you is a ton of shame. Oh, I know, it's that thing I don't ever do enough of. Whoa, let me just stop you right there, okay? Because when we are talking about prayer, what we're talking about is a way that God invites us into adventure with him. An adventure unlike anything else. That in prayer, what he's calling us into is the kind of deep intimacy that combats our shame. So let's leave that I was going to say at the door, but I guess we're already here. Let's just leave that to the side right now, okay, as we talk about prayer this morning. So I'm going to invite Sam Marshall to come up. Sam is reading our scripture for us this morning. We're in John 15, and we'll be in verses 4 through 13. So if you want to follow along in your Bibles, you can open up your Bibles to John 15. It will also be up here on this newly raised screen, right, that now you can see even all the way in the back. Praise God. Okay, uh, so you can follow along as Sam, uh, Sam reads for us. Out of John 15. All right. This is God's word. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Thanks, Sam. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we uh, desire to be a people who are abiding in you, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would grow that in our hearts this morning, that you would grow us into the people of prayer that you've called us to be. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this passage here in John 15 is about a lot of things, but one of the things it's about, it, it's about prayer. 
And it shows us, it teaches us about the launch pad of prayer in our lives. teaches us that, that one of the things that characterizes us as people, one of the things that we so often try to avoid but is true, is that we as people are desperate. That we are far more desperate than we want to admit, far more helpless than we care to admit, that we have far less control over our lives than we want to admit. And this passage calls us to acknowledge that when Jesus says, you can do nothing apart from me. makes you think of the first of the 12 steps in AA. The first step is we admitted we were powerless over, and you can fill in the blank, right? And AA is alcohol. That our lives had become unmanageable. And when we hear that, we can say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, that's a good thing. That's good for addicts. That's good for people out there. But yeah, but me, I've got things mostly figured out. I've got things under control. I've got it together at least enough, right? So I'm glad that that, that works for some people. Right, but the reality of this passage, what it is calling us to is the acknowledgement that that is true about all of us, that our lives are far more fragile, far more out of control than we care to admit, that we so often are unable to accomplish the very things that we most desire for ourselves. I think nothing has made that more clear more recently than uh, what happened with Damar Hamlin, right? This moment, we're in front of millions of people. Uh, this football player in the prime of his career, so healthy, gets hit in a way that was unexpected, and a few seconds later, in between plays, falls backwards. And then everything stopped. And then what what everyone kind of acknowledged in that moment is, oh, wow, life is so much more fragile than we acknowledge. It's like the veil that sits over our eyes was pulled away for a moment, and we remembered how out of control we actually are, how unmanageable our lives actually are. All the pretense of our technology and our knowledge, our access, all the things that we believe that they can get for us, we are reminded that they are unable to accomplish for us some of the things that we hold most dear. For us to be a praying people is to acknowledge that desperation that dwells inside of each of us. One of the uh, most helpful uh, practices in my devotional life is making I can't do lists. When I start to feel overwhelmed and, re and remember all the things I am not in control of that I feel like I should be managing is to make a list of all the things that I cannot control. And one of the things that is on the top of my list right now is I cannot get Google to come out and give me Google Fiber at my house. <laughs> what? They, they spent plenty of time on my street digging it up and blocking it off, right? All of my neighbors can get Google Fiber. They've told me it's not available at my house. So I go online, put in my address. Oh, we'll let you know when it comes. It's come! Oh, well, here's the appeal process. Okay, I appeal. No, it's still not there. So I talk to the, to the Google Fiber guy who's down giving my neighbors Google Fiber. He's like, oh, no, the coyote, whatever that is, it's in your front yard. Like, I guess it's a box that has... We're in East Nashville, so there are actual coyotes, but this is a technology thing, right? And he's like, no, it's here. You should just call and let them know. So I call, let them know. Still can't get it. It's the very top of my cannot-do list. And it is a, guys, 
it's a deep desire of my heart. I cannot tell you how delighted I will be when I can call Comcast and tell them I am not going to have internet from you anymore. But despite how much I treasure it, I can't make it happen. Okay. There are lots of other things on that list too. <laughs> Believe it or not. Just look at bedtime at my house, right? But then also, also other things like, uh, like the healing that I deeply desire in my relationships that I am incapable of bringing about on my own. Right, the change that I want to see in the lives of people that I love that I am not in control of, not to mention the change that I want to see in my own heart and life that I so often feel like I am unable to control. That most of us at this point in the new year have already abandoned our New Year's resolutions. That's not to shame you. It's just to say, to remind you that that is how out of control we are in our very own lives. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. That admitting our desperation is a call. It, it's preparing the ground for prayer. And let's acknowledge that's true for us as a church. That what we desperately want to see, which is our community changed by the gospel, we can't make that happen. That what we want to see is people here having their lives changed by the grace of Jesus. We can't make that happen. That we want to have people come and join us for what's happening here. We can't make that happen. And if we think that we can make it happen, we're going to do all sorts of things that work against the very thing that we're hoping for. It's true for us as individuals and as a community that we're powerless to accomplish what we want to accomplish. And what that then calls out of us is prayer. And again, that's what we saw with Damar Hamlin, right? That in the, middle, uh, in the middle of a football game, which stops for nothing, everything stopped. And that there were, prayers, there were players on that field kneeling in prayer. There were people in the stands Praying, there are ESPN uh, commentators on live television praying for this man. People gathered outside of his hospital room praying for him. The NFL, well, at first the NFL said that their thoughts were with him, but then the next day their prayers were with him too. <laughs> that this sense of desperation, what it produced, what it called out of people was prayer. to put ourselves, to acknowledge we need someone to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And that's what Jesus calls us to in this passage. Twice he says, ask. Ask. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Come and ask. But this call to ask, then it raises the question, what kind of relationship do we have with a God who we're asking? Because the quality of our relationship, the kind of relationship that we have with God influences how we ask, doesn't it? Because we do all kinds of asking in our lives and we tailor those asks to the kind of relationship that we have. Like, for example, when you are asking your boss for a raise. If you're going to ask your boss for a raise, you go in prepared for that conversation, right? Like, let me show you the things that I've done over the last year that prove to you that I merit the raise that I'm asking you for. We come with ammo. Or when you ask the bank for a loan, we call that, I guess, applying for a loan, right? That you're saying, let me prove to you that I'm like, I'm worth it, and let me promise you that I'll do it into the future. 
So we're bargaining with the bank. Let me prove to you, let me promise that I'm going to be able to pay this off in the future. Or maybe it's the kind of ask that a client uh, makes to like an account manager, which is not really an ask, right? It's just a directive. Do this thing. But we like to say it in a different way. Would you please? There are all kinds of different relationships that we have, and those different quality kind of relationship it influences how we make the ask. And that's true about God. That how we think about coming to him in prayer, what we have to do or have done in order to pray, tells us a lot about what we believe about our relationship with God. Our functional beliefs about our relationship with God. Do you ever get into a situation where what you want to do is cry out to God, but you think, I did that thing the other day I said I wasn't going to do again. So I guess I can't pray. Has that ever happened to anybody else? Or you come to God and say, well, God, I'll ask you this, but don't worry. I will start doing that thing that I think I'm supposed to be doing, but I haven't been doing yet. We get into that bargaining. Maybe we come to God with orders, things that sound like requests, but are really directives for God. And what all of that points to is the deep misunderstanding that we have about what it means for us to be connected to God through Jesus Christ. And Jesus teaches us about that. He redefines for us what it means for us to be in relationship with God in this passage. One of the things that he tells us is that we are now his friend. Whoa. That's not typically how we think about coming to God, is it? That we would come to him as our friend? And then Jesus says, well, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And you think, okay, well, that's a little bit of a different understanding of friendship than I'm used to. So what's going on here? When we look at verse 13, Jesus says this, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That what Jesus is doing is here is he, he's redefining for us our relationship, our understanding of our relationship with God. See, what God knew before you and I were ever born, all the way back from the beginning of time, what God knew that we so often refuse to know is, is he knew how desperate we were. God is not surprised that we are people. God is not surprised by our inability to control our lives. In fact, God is so familiar with that desperation that what he said is, I know that my people are also incapable of clawing their way back up to me. And because I know their desperation, even when they don't, I'm gonna come down and move toward them. That is what Jesus Christ was doing. This expression of God's love come down to us in the midst of our desperation, even when we refuse to see it. But that's what he was doing when he was walking to the cross, when he, when he hung on the cross, and when he died, when he rose again, was saying, I'm here to remedy this gap, to close this gap between you and God, and I'm gonna do it for you because you could never do it yourself. That is what our Jesus has done for us. And that to be in Christ is to acknowledge there is nothing that I am bringing to the table here. To be in Christ, to become a Christian is to say to God, God, I am I'm incapable of saving myself. Would you come and do for me what I cannot do for me? And to hear in that moment, to hear God say, I have been coming after you this whole time, of course. 
because I love you. And that forges for us an entirely different relationship with God, a relationship that Jesus calls in here abiding. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. This organic metaphor, this life-giving metaphor. Where does a vine stop and a branch begin? It's impossible to say. That's the point is that our life is deeply knit into the life of God through Jesus Christ. That when we hurt, Jesus hurts. That when we rejoice, that he rejoices with us. That is how tightly we're related. And the command that he gives us 10 times in this passage, 10 times, we only read like 10 verses, maybe 11 verses, is to abide. What he's saying is come and live out of what is already true. Become who you are. This command to abide is an expression of deep, enduring, personal, permanent connection. Deep, personal, permanent connection. That's true. That there is nothing that you can do that's going to get God closer to you. There's nothing you can do that's going to push God further to away, uh, further away from you. That when you are in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, what is true is that God is with you and he is with you always. So then our act of prayer is not about how do I get God closer, how do I give something to God? It's to say to God who is right with us, help. Help. If you're wondering where do I start with prayer, start with that, with the word, help. At other points in his ministry, Jesus says about, he says, look, all of these Gentiles, right, they come, they think that they are heard because they have all these flowery ways of praying. They have so many words. It sounds so nice. He says, that's not the heart of prayer at all. That the heart of prayer is you in a dark room saying to God by yourself, help. God, help, would you do for me what I cannot do for myself. Martin Luther said that one of the lowest forms of prayer is cursing. Well, it turns out we're all praying a lot, huh? Just using other four-letter words than help. So just replace it with help. Help, God, would you do for me what I cannot do for myself? And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father in heaven is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That you and I, we worship a God who has come to us, who's already given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And through prayer is then inviting us to participate in that. And who loves and delights, takes joy in meeting us there. One of the things we're really working on in my house is uh, my kids love to make observations about things. I'm hungry. What an interesting fact. Would you like to ask me for something? Um, can I have a snack? Yes, I would love to give you a snack, right? Oh, my room's really messy. Okay. Um, would you like to ask me for something? Oh, you help me clean it up. Okay. 
But to ask is such a vulnerable thing. And we find all kinds of ways to get around it. What I'm, what I'm hoping to, to coach in our children, to teach them, is the same thing I'm, God is teaching me, which is to come to him with no bargaining, no promises, but to say, God, I'm trusting your love for me, and so I'm laying my request before you. I'm pouring out my heart before you. And guys, I know y'all, sometimes you spend a lot of time, we spend a lot of time thinking about, am I asking for the right thing? What if God doesn't want to give me? You don't have to worry about that. God will take care of that. He knows. He already knows all the things you want anyway. What he invites us to, what he commands us to is come, pour out your heart before me. Cry out and help and experience the intimacy, the abiding that he has already promised that is true as we do that. Okay, so what does that look like for us on a practical level, right? There are a few kind of different ways we're going to be living that out as a congregation over the course of this year. One of the things is that in our time together here on Sunday mornings, we're going to be making space for prayer, for us to pray together. I have all kinds of different ideas about how that could happen. Some of them make me even uncomfortable to think about, but could be good for us. Okay, but we're going to practice one of them today, which is uh, in the middle of our worship set here at the end, there's going to be a time for you to pray, to fold down the kneelers, and for you, you don't have to get on the kneelers if you don't want to, but for you in your heart to pour out your request before God, to say to God, help. We're going to be knitting things like that into our service here. That on, uh, on the little bookmark in front of you, when you scan the QR code, one of the things you can do on that page is ask for prayer. I want to encourage you, uh, would you let us know what you want us to join you in crying out for? It is a huge gift to me and to the people who, who God has charged with shepherding and leading this church when you invite us in to the places you are saying help so that we can say help to God with you. That God hears those prayers, yes, and it knits us closer together as a community. Would you give us the gift this year of getting to pray with you? I mean, if that doesn't work, we'll figure out another way to do it. Because that's what we want is for us to be, to, to grow into, into becoming a praying community together. Right? That, that we are becoming who we already are in Christ. People who are fully mature emotionally, relationally, spiritually, socially. And that as we pray, we step into God's power to accomplish those things. The other thing I want to invite you guys to is into praying for us as a church. And that we are so hopeful for what God can do in and through us in this community. And not even in and through us, what God will do himself, what he is doing in this community, and what we desperately want to be a part of. So here's, I'm going to ask you to pray for three things. So if you have your journal, you can write it down. Or I got a stamp made at Office Depot this week, and I stamped some little cards for you to grab on the way out. I'm super excited about it. So you don't have to write it down. You can grab one of those cards, okay? Here are the three things. Uh, and I spent like a long time last night just stamping the cards. Anyway, not the point of this. The first uh, thing that I'm going to invite you to pray for is that we as a community would be bold with the gospel. 
Right? We talked about that all last semester when we talked about the book of Acts. Is what does it look like for us to be bold with the gospel? That's bold in our words when we acknowledge that Jesus is a part of our lives. It's bold in our curiosity about other people and their spiritual lives. But all of these things that we have talked about, that we would start to take the risk to put, to put legs to it. We recognize that, man, there are so many barriers in our hearts and our minds and our lives to that kind of engagement with the gospel. And so would you pray with me, with us, that God would make us bold for the gospel here in East Nashville? Okay, the second thing I'm gonna ask you to pray for is that God would bring us 150 people to be a part of this with us by June which I will just acknowledge this morning feels a little bit silly because we may be there already, but that's okay. Just pray it with me, okay? And, and why, why, why would we pray for that? Man, what I have heard, you, what you have literally said to me, some of you, uh, is that this place has been an answer to prayer for you. That God has used the people here in your lives in ways that you have been asking God to do for years. And in praying that God would bring other people here, we're praying that God would answer those prayers for people. Not because we have the power to change people's lives, but because we've experienced him change our lives here. That we want that for other people in our community. So would you join me in praying that God would do that? that other people need this place and we need them to be a part of this with us because there are people who God's going to bring here who are going to change our lives. Yes. And then would you pray with us that God would give us a space that we can grow into? Because y'all, splitting this up into two services, that would be rough, okay? That we want to be in a space where we can meet together as our community grows. A space that we can grow into for Kid Town. Like Liv said, I don't know, you guys have been back there, some of you. There are a lot of kids back there, guys. And what a gift it is to be a part of a church that has kids who are a part of it, huh? Praise God. How we want the space to dream about what we can do in Kid Town to love those kids well. Would you pray with us that God would give us that space? Because I will tell you, you guys know East Nashville Real Estate. I don't know how we're going to find it if it's up to us, Okay. And then as we do that, as we bring our requests to God, as a community, as individual people, what we are trusting is that God is growing us deeper in intimacy with him and that he is preparing us for adventure with him. Because as we are praying those prayers, God meets us and he gives us the power and the opportunity to participate in them ourselves. And that is an exciting thing. So let's, let's become this year who we've been created to be, which is a praying community, a community that is desperate for God and is confident that he loves to meet us in that desperation. So I'm going to invite our worship team to come up. Uh, they're going to sing uh, two songs for us, lead us in worship into, into praising God for what he has done to bring us into that kind of permanent, personal, abiding relationship with him. And then after we have reminded our hearts and our heads of that reality, we're going to have some time here to pray. I would invite you in that time to pour out your heart before God. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so grateful that we get to come to you and, and even start our prayers that way by calling you Father. Lord, that you would send Jesus to do what we cannot do for ourselves, to meet us in our desperation and to connect us with you. And Father, we confess so often uh, we come to you um, timidly. Jesus, we come to you uh, 
with reservations, with fear that you're going to punish us. Oh, Jesus, as we worship this morning, would you remind us of what is most true? Would you remind us of our abiding relationship with you? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.